Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. The other day I was once again watching a Gaitha music DVD. As I enjoyed the concert, Gloria Gaitha, during one of her brief monologues, made a reference to God that struck me. Now I said during one of her monologues, which technically I guess is correct, but her contributions during these homecoming singing extravagances are certainly not monologues, if that means boring. She is anything but boring. In addition to her singing voice, her insights and ability to express the deep mysteries of our ongoing relationship with Almighty God surpass ordinary. She grasps and can communicate these truths so well and very movingly indeed. I do so enjoy her monologues immensely. But I mentioned that she made a comment that had caught my attention, talking about how diverse and different we all are, yet how regardless of this diversity and all of these differences, we are brought together because of a common love for the same Jesus, the same Savior. She then said that God holds us together and as modern diversity resting in the palm of his hand. I thought that was a profound statement. Let me say it again. He holds modern diversity resting in the palm of his hand. I heard that to mean that God accepts our multitudinous differences and cultural variances, and yet he can and does control these many human different perspectives. Our backgrounds, our upbringing, our ethnicity, our racial attributes, our denominational preferences, the whole kit and caboodle. He made us. He knows us as no one else can possibly know us, even more than our parents. He holds us all with every one of those differences and complexities in the palm of his hand, merging and molding and assimilating it all into one homogenous and consistent expression of praise to our Creator, if we would let him. If ever things go wrong, it's because we failed to do our part. We tried to go it our way, away from the Master's design. Remember the verse that directs us to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? It is the Father's desire that we become more like his Son every day as we explore the wonders of his plan for our lives.
so much as give it a chance. We are so prone to wander and to take our eyes off the prize, aren't we? So many distractions, an abundance of attractive and enticing paraphernalia in our world, things that capture our interest and attention quite so easily. Not of all of it wrong, of course. There's nothing inherently bad about being thrilled with our newborn son or daughter, or at my particular time of life, our new grandchild. It is only when these things replace God as the center of our focus and of our living that it becomes a problem. For younger people with active and creative minds and the energy of youth, they are perhaps the most vulnerable. We who are older and have more experience and have experienced more of life and hopefully have some of the wisdom and, that comes from having lived a few years and learned to trust the Lord more ardently, we should guide and live as examples to the young people. I remember a poem I found when I was younger that meant a lot to me at the time. It began with these profoundly true words. I cannot give it up, the little world I know, the innocent delights of youth, the things I cherish so. Tis true I love my Lord and long to do his will, but oh, I may enjoy the world and be a Christian still. Now there's the catchphrase, isn't it? I may enjoy the world and be a Christian still. Of course, with the advantage of time and having lived a while, I know that's a misnomer. And these are two diametrically opposite poles. They are impossible to mix, as many a young person has found. One of these mornings I'll read the poem in its entirety, still worth saying, for its truths remain constant. Until then, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher, of our faith, whether you're young or old. When dark is ended and my burdens are laid down, what glory will then be mine? Will be mine, so surely my robe will be spotless and I'll put on a bright crown in heaven. I'll shout and i 
Now with this message for today, here's Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Greetings once again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a joy it is for me to be able to share the Word of God with you once again as we begin a new year. We are concentrating on the most outstanding trait or characteristic that Jesus and his apostles, as well as the Old Testament prophets, predicted would be true in these days in which we live. The Bible calls them the last days. That trait or characteristic is deception on the part of false teachers and self-made prophets that will infiltrate the church and seek to fleece the people of God for their own profit. Now we are still looking at one of the most striking and forceful passages in the Bible in which Jesus himself both predicts and warns us of these things. That passage is Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 23, which is the conclusion of his Sermon on the Mount, in which he outlines the condition for entering his kingdom and the lifestyle that a true child of the kingdom must live. Let me read that passage to you once again, because I want you to remember more than anything else the word of God itself, rather than what I say about the word. Jesus speaking now then, hear his words. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. End of quote. Jesus emphasizes that entrance into his kingdom is both exclusive and demanding. So demanding, in fact, that only a few will enter the gate and walk the pathway that leads to eternal life. However, the gate that leads away from the kingdom and end in eternal destruction is wide and the pathway is broad. And so Jesus says, many will enter that gate and walk that pathway. Notice, my friends, many. 
And as we explained in our last message, they entered that gate and walked that pathway because false teachers misuse and distort the word of God to make it appear that entrance into the kingdom is easy. Anyone can enter anytime and live however they like. It's a life filled with health, wealth, happiness and good living. This is the kind of message that appeals to the flesh. But my friends, it is a false message. It is a deceptive message. And so Jesus gives a clear warning in verse 15. Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In other words, they are deceptive in their appearance. They look like true preachers and prophets, but they are in actuality servants of the devil himself. Paul describes them well in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. Hear the words of the inspired apostle. Such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their deeds. My friends, this is the kind of activity Jesus and his apostles say will dominate these days in which we are living. That is why we must be on the alert. We must be discerning and not simply taking in and accepting everything we hear by those who claim to be preachers, prophets or apostles when they claim that they are speaking the word of God in the name of God or Jesus Christ. Remember, my friends, their saying so does not make it so. We must therefore be like the Berean Christians who, even after hearing the Apostle Paul himself speak, examined the scriptures to see if the things he was saying was in keeping with the word of God. Sadly, very few believers seem to do this today. They take anything anybody says hook line and sinker but yet in this passage jesus says we must judge or evaluate the genuineness of a person who proclaims to be a messenger of god who claims to preach in the name of god we must be able to evaluate them both by their doctrine and by their lifestyle listen to what he says in verse 16 you will know them by their fruits. And then he explains it. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Jesus is calling for the judging and evaluating of what we hear those who claim to be prophets and preachers by both what they say and how they live. One commentator of this passage puts it like this, and I quote him now. The outward forms would incline one to believe these false prophets to be reliable guides. 
They may wear a distinctive garb which sets them apart as leaders. They may have the title reverend. They may be men who hold positions of religious leadership. They may well have graduated from a divinity school. Indeed, they might even be seminary professors. Judging, though, on the basis of external indications, we might wrongly assume them to be reliable guides. But we must not evaluate them on such external evidence. End of quote. Jesus says these false prophets can be detected by their fruits. And Jesus is saying that discerning or judging on the basis of fruits is absolutely necessary and in fact is a part of our responsibilities as true disciples of the kingdom of God. However, judging by external or outward forms is risky. So Jesus emphasizes that the proof of the root is in the fruit. Let me repeat that. The proof of the root is in the fruit. Good trees produce good fruit. Rotten trees produce rotten fruit or bad fruit. And so a dependable assessment of those who claim to be guides of God's people, such as priests, prophets, pastors, or apostles, that is, we must judge their fruits. And the only way we can do this accurately is by measuring both their message and their lives against the Word of God. Because, you see, my friends, such evaluation and discernment is a serious undertaking, and in fact it is filled with danger, and one can be criticized for doing it inaccurately. But now, exactly what are these fruits? We must be very careful here, as I have said. False prophets are not without apparent good and wholesome religious activities. What we consider to be good works. And this is exactly where the deception and counterfeit comes in. And this is why discernment is so important. Because Jesus goes on to teach that a false prophet is often accompanied by deceptive signs and wonders. Listen to his chilling words in verse 21. And remember now, this is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying, words alone, profession alone, no matter how persuasive, charismatic, or positive they may be, they do not matter. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, that is the bottom line. In other words, Jesus is saying, Living in obedience to the word of God is what is important. It's no use for a preacher to preach holiness if he or she does not live a holy life. It's no use for them to preach about integrity if their life is not a life of integrity. In fact, it's no use for a preacher to say, God told me to say this or that, when in fact he's only preaching his own thoughts and ideas and not the word of God. And friends, that is happening all around us today in this age of deception in which we are now living. The Bible makes it quite clear. The primary responsible of the pastor is to preach the word. Preach the word. And the word must be preached for what it is, the word of God and not the word of man. That's why Jesus says in verse 22, quote, Many will say to me, on that day. Lord, Lord, 
Did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Notice how many times he's talking about in your name, in your name. That is the major deception today, false prophets who are claiming to speak in the name of God. But notice what he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Notice he says, I never knew you. Jesus doesn't say, you were a part of us, and then I disowned you because of what you did. No, I never knew you. You said I knew you is the implication, but I never did. Depart from me. You will hear such false teachers say, we do these things in the name of Christ and for the glory of Christ. But these are only words. Now listen to this statement very carefully, friends. Satan will willingly give the glory to God in these cases, so long as ultimately he is able to deceive people and cause them to give their allegiance and obedience to him. That's where the deception comes in. The scriptures very clearly describe the fruit of false prophets. So we have divine guidance as to what we should look for in our evaluation of their ministry. And this is what we want to do. But unfortunately, we cannot do it today. We do not have sufficient time. And so we will look at it next time, Lord willing. Until then, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Selah, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. The great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every morning for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be over. Oh,
could happen in a moment. Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every morning for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our tolling will be in a moment Jesus Christ could come again